We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm having a sit-down with Tim Gilbertson, an FFPC Dynasty Fantasy Football League player who won five high-stakes leagues alone in 2020. In this episode, we discuss his philosophy on trading, the one thing he does for all his leagues to ensure the proper plan of attack, and some player analysis of Aaron Jones, Adam Troutman, the Rams pass catchers, and much more. His dynasty winnings alone in the last four years totaled nearly $40,000. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to RotoBiz by using the code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is $40,000 FFPC Dynasty winner, Tim Gilbertson. We are kicking off Dynasty rookie draft season, I guess, as it were, as we enter in March here with the FFPC and High Stakes Fantasy Football. And Pleased to be welcomed a gentleman who won five high-stakes dynasty leagues in 2020 alone, a former guest of the HSFF Hour. He joins us on the high-stakes lowdown this month. It is Tim Gilbertson. Tim, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, always honored to be here and, uh, and knock out a show with you. 
So this is um this is interesting too because I I rarely get the chance to have a a fellow Wisconsinite on, but you're still in Wisconsin, right? I still am. Yeah, correct. I'm up in Superior, Wisconsin, right near the uh, Duluth, Minnesota border, up by the beautiful Lake Superior. So do you find yourself cheering more for the Vikings or for the Packers? You know, I actually am. You know, I am a Viking fan, so I'm a born and raised uh, Minnesota kid that transferred over once I moved into adulthood. All right, so so I guess let's lead things off on a softer note here. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you fight yourself off from trying to acquire Justin Jefferson in every single dynasty league right now? You know, it's it's really tough because uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's he had one heck of a season, so he's a guy I want all over the place. And he's going for a premium, right? I mean, have you floated trade offers out there for him? Have you do you own him in any dynasty leagues? What what have you seen as far as how high stakes owners are treating him? You know, I've, I was only lucky enough to own him in one league, and I've I've floated a couple offers out, and he's he's almost untouchable from the the couple times I've tried to acquire him. It, it's going to be crazy uh, to see, and and obviously, you know, the, these markets have a way of fluctuating. But after the season he had, and the fact that we probably won't get to see him play again until the regular season, um, it, it's Justin Jefferson, not just for dynasty, but for redraft leagues. It's going to be crazy as well. I want to make this a dynasty centric podcast, and and I do want to touch on your incredible season last year. Five high stakes dynasty titles in in the FFPC. We we've this wasn't your first rodeo. This wasn't the first year you won a dynasty league. You've been winning them pretty much every year in the FFPC. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, you know, it, it's a dogfight for me to try to win a dynasty title, even to get my teams into the in, into the you know the last two weeks of of the season in in the dynasty leagues I participate in. What's been your secret from getting for getting so many teams? to uh to championship week and sealing the deal in week 16 you know i mean i don't really have any great big secrets i do a lot of the small kind of detail things you know i think the big thing is 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 just staying active you know maybe making sure you can manage all of your dynasty leagues you know staying active with that fab every week even if you think you have a rock star team just you know paying attention to that fab see if you can find that diamond in the rough um, also paying attention to your, your rosters on your, your opponents in each league, you know, and paying attention to that message board. If a guy's looking to move somebody, maybe he's looking for veteran players and you're looking to reload or vice versa. Um, just staying up on those small opportunities whenever you can, uh, fill a roster spot with, um, a youthful player that's going to help you maybe that year or maybe a few years down the road. Um, and then I think the big, big, Big key for me is I actually take the time, write down my rosters, write down my team makeup in a notebook each, each off season when I'm kind of missing dynasty a little bit. And, you know, I just take that realistic look in the mirror and look at my team. Is that a compete now team or is that a team that I need to start maybe looking to reload and uh, write down who I want to keep, you know, address my team weaknesses and uh, go try to make some moves to make those better. And, um, I think if you can't be honest with yourself and if you think your team's always going to win, you're going to maybe find yourself in that middle of the road area. So, so don't be too ashamed to just blow that thing up sometimes and rebuild, you know, do it smartly. Don't get desperate. And, uh, you know, that's a big thing for me. And, and don't be afraid to sell a guy before he's maybe peaked a little bit. You know, if you're looking to reload and, and you sell, uh, a stud veteran and he has a great year or two, you know, don't be ashamed in that because that's when you're still going to get your value back and, and you don't want to hold those assets and not get value back in return. So those are a couple big things that I look at. Um, another big thing, especially in the FFPC with the, with the 16 man rosters with the cuts is, you know, at the end of the year, if you're competing for a championship, but you got that roster spot available, you got an IR spot, you can plug and move around some bodies. 
get those young dart throws for those following years, get them on that roster and don't be afraid to sit in the off season with 23 guys on that roster. And yeah, you got to cut seven to get down to 16, but, but that's where you can get your uh, value picks, you know, get some second rounders, third rounders, even fifth, sixth, seventh rounders, get those dart throws back in return. And, and then you reload that rookie draft again. I've always been a big fan of acquiring talent and then, you know, not cutting down until the last day, you know, where I have the most possible information. And, and if I can gain a, a late round pick um, off a guy I was going to cut anyway, I'm totally on board for that. Maybe the late round pick means nothing, but at least it's an extra spot that I can gain on my roster for a little bit longer um, that, that I don't have to cut down because it is, it's, it's not a player. It's just a pick. And then I still have that asset in my back pocket. You know, the other question too, and I, and I say this semi tongue in cheek. I don't know if you own Alvin Kamara anywhere. I don't on any of my dynasty rosters, but I see the news that he's loving snowboarding in Montana right now. And all of a sudden I'm looking like, yeah, maybe I should probably sell him and, and, and maybe take 95 cents on the dollar for him right now before something catastrophic happens in the, in the uh, Northwest. You know, that's a great point. And I do own some Kamara shares. I've been the last two, three years, I've been pretty big on him with, with all the pass catching ability and, uh, and, uh, the, just that general offense in general. And now, you know, Drew Brees possibly retiring and we did see his, you know, his PPR side kind of dwindle a little bit with Taysom Hill last year. So I'm kind of on the fence on whether now it's time to maybe move, try to get some value. And, and then you see that, you know, the snowboarding clip and you're like, wait, <laughs> I got to get out before everybody else knows uh, he's going to have a future knee injury coming. I had people telling me he was hurt already today. And so I was like, <laughs> Did you? I was flying to Twitter. I'm like, oh my goodness, is this real? Um, and it wasn't. I mean, yeah, he obviously tumbled a couple of times or whatever. But yeah, man, that's never let hey listen he's young he doesn't care about our fantasy teams i'm cool with that but man it, that's n- never something i like to see from one of my uh dynasty studs um talking about uh, your fellow competition your your fellow co-owners in your leagues um obviously they have not had the success that you have had by and large over the last several seasons um what what sort of mistakes do you see team owners in your league continue to make that that has prevented them either from getting to the playoffs or winning championships. You know, one of the one of the couple things that really sticks out is maybe when you have a new owner come into the league, whether it's a you know, a brand new startup or maybe someone takes over an orphan, you know, guys just love to get out and make trades. I mean, that's why we do this stuff. That's the appeal to dynasty, right? Is we can play it all year, but but some guys take over a team and that team might be sitting in a really good spot where they just need to plug and play a couple things or maybe get a rookie pick to hit here or there. But they just want to make deals, and it ends up maybe costing them big on that team. Um, so just be patient. Sit in. Let some deals come to you. Don't force that. Um, and then sometimes when they make those deals, just, you know, not getting the value in return. So whether you, you know, maybe they're not using their resources of just going on the Internet, look for some opinions, um, network, get some good group of guys that are in your corner to, uh, you know, bounce some trade ideas off of and, and maybe they say, hey, yeah, we take that deal, but man, you should throw in another second in there before you give that player up. You know, reach out, kind of get yourself into some friend groups like that. Um, and I know, you know, sometimes too, we get caught up in the hype of trying to get to the playoffs and maybe we're not going to win that title if we get to the playoffs. And we also get a little desperate as saying, hey, we're just one move away. Um, you know, if I'm sitting in that spot and I'm not going to get a value on a deal, you know, hey, if I make the playoffs, great, but I'm I'm building for the future, so I'm not going to chance everything just to try to get into the playoffs just to have a chip and a chair. You know, I'm, I'm going to be realistic there. And you kind of hit on it earlier a little bit, Bulky, but 
you know, one of the things too is guys just liking to cut that roster down early to 16 just so it looks a little cleaner on paper. Oh, and yeah. season. It's like, hey, you don't know if a guy gets traded, free agency, injury in front of him on the depth chart. Be patient. Just sit on those assets no matter how small they may seem at the time. I know the other thing to it, and I've never done it. I haven't brought myself to do it. I don't know people who have done it, but they'll spike cut a guy in the middle of a game if the guy's <laughs> like doing really like um, my former co-host for the HSFFR, Dave Gerzak, many years ago. Well, you're a Vikings fan. You probably remember the Josh Freeman debacle on Monday Night Football. Oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah, he had Freeman going in a league that week, and he spike cut him in like the third quarter because he was so <laughs> sick of watching him uh, play that game. And, and I've never been able to do it because I don't like to make emotional decisions like that, but, yeah. uh, it, it's definitely a dynasty fantasy football fantasy of mine to do that one day. Just I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to like say I did it once, but right now I just don't have the mental capacity to do it. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about trading here real briefly because you, you touched on it a little bit before. What's been your philosophy? When it comes to trading, are you a guy when you want to move assets, when you want to acquire assets, do you, do you just post on the message board and, and let the deals come to you? Are you more active where you're going to make, you know, if there's a certain player that you want to get rid of, um, are you going to float five, six deals out to, to, you know, separate teams in the league and, and see what happens and, and just take the first, um, you know, offer you get back. How do, how do you sort of, how active, I guess, are you in trying to initiate trade discussions? Yeah. You know, I do a little bit of both of that bulky. I'll, I'll put some messages out there just to see, you know, if I can get some interest coming back in. Um, but if I'm really targeting a specific person to grab, then I'm a little more quiet. I'm just looking, you know, I'm looking at roster compositions of my opponents to see who can maybe, if I'm looking for a, a big running back for the stretch run, I'm looking to see who can afford to move one who's maybe in a rebuild, reload type of situation. And and then I, I also look at my team and what I can give them back in return to see if I can find a deal that makes sense before I even float anything out there. Because a big thing with me, I'm an advocate of kind of having some credibility. And when a trade offer comes in from me, somebody's not rolling their eyes and just hitting that auto reject because it's another right. crazy offer. So I want to have a little credibility. I don't throw out my my final offer, but I throw out a pre- pretty realistic offer where Hopefully we're at least getting some back and forth and it's not just like, hey, stop filling up my inbox and wasting my time, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things too. I think I'm with you. Like I I want to – I don't want to just waste time, but at the same time, I don't want to waste time, if that makes sense. Like (laughs) I I want to get a deal done, but I don't want to come in with an offer solo that it immediately turns the other guy off. Um, I'm, or, or, or woman off. I, I just, I look at it from the standpoint of like, look, we're, we're conducting business here. Let's get a deal done. And I'm willing to pay, you know, because, you know, who really knows? I don't need to get, I, I don't need a trade calculator to say I'm getting the 5% better of this deal or the 15% better of this deal. If it's close and I'm good with it, um, and, and I feel it helps my team, I'm, I'm willing to do that because nobody really knows until, you know, the ball is snapped and we get real football again. Uh, so it makes some sense as far as dynasty approaches go. We've already seen one trade, one massive trade, go down in the NFL with in regards to the quarterbacks with Stafford going out west and uh, Jared Goff coming to the uh, Detroit Lions. That is not going to be the last big names that switch teams at the signal caller position this offseason. This is going to be unprecedented, or at least it's shaping up that way, where we could have um, quarterbacks uh, switch around in the league like we've never seen before. 
And I'm kind of curious, has that changed your, how active you want to be trading, uh, Tim, knowing that, that, you know, a skill position player, running back or receiver maybe looks pretty good with his current quarterback. But if there's a deal done and that quarterback goes out of there and they bring in a young guy or maybe a lesser, lesser talented guy, all of a sudden that asset that you had isn't looking all that great. Um, has that made you a little bit more cautious or has that really been, you know, not affecting the way that you're doing trading this off season? Yeah, I don't want to sound um, too cautious, but I will say I am a little cautious. I've been doing dynasty for about seven years now, I think. And it's unprecedented waters. I haven't seen anything like this. And like you said, the ball's just starting to drop. So there's a lot of chips that are going to move. You throw in that reduced salary cap that's coming around. Um, free agency is going to be wild. The trading is going to be wild. Um, I mean, you can go into Twitter and just have your head spin with the things that are being thrown <laughs> around right now. So I am kind of in a mode to just um, sit back and see how things fall a little bit, mainly because the majority of my teams are in a win-now mode right now. Um, but I think it is a great opportunity if you look at it as an investment side of things. If you are in a reload or in a spot where you're middle of the road, it might be a great time to take some gambles if you do need to boost that team up a little bit because you may swing and miss, but this might be the time where someone like myself is being cautious. I might be willing to take a, a little less riskier play and, and give somebody some upside. So I think there could be some positives in the cautiousness of it all. Yeah, sometimes, you know, being the aggressor and taking the chance, that's that's when you get rewarded. Uh, certainly that that uh, is a possibility that's out there as well right now. Um, let's uh, get into some uh, specific player analysis here, Tim. The the Texans team as a whole is, you know, you don't want to be a fan of that squad right now because it's <laughs> it's it's tough. Um, Duke Johnson was recent recently released, and David Johnson had his contract restructured today on on Tuesday that uh, calls for um, a little bit more incentives in the deal. Uh, the Texans, because of trades, will not pick their first selection in the NFL draft until round three. So they, they, unless they trade up and make another deal, they're not going to get a difference making running back in round one or two. David Johnson should have a higher workload. A lot of people are expecting that. We don't totally know who his quarterback is going to be. But when you consider dynasty, um, how high are you on, on David Johnson, knowing that he is 29 years old, knowing that he's, he's on the downside of his career, but could still prove to be valuable uh, in a certain spot in Dynasty. You know, Eric, I'm I'm still fairly high on him just based on it. I mean, it's a great value add right now, especially if you're a contending team. I went out when he went to the Texans last year. I went and acquired him in a, a couple of my leagues, and he did help me bring in some titles. You know, his his season wasn't the most sexy until the end of the year, but you know, week 16, week 15, I think he scored 24 points. Week 15, 28. Week 16. So right in that big championship push, he came through. What I did like about him last year was he didn't have those uh, up-and-down games. You know, he did miss a couple games due to injury. But when he was on the field, other than that Ravens game, you know, he was double digits. So it wasn't a bunch of monster games, but he was kind of a steady Eddie, if you will. And I think the value is even better this year because you mentioned it. As, as crazy as that situation is in Texas, um, Deshaun Watson may not be there. Maybe he is still there, but... Even if he leaves, like you said, with the draft picks, I think he's going to get a ton of volume. And there's something to be said about an RB2, RB3 on your roster, just knowing that you can plug him, hopefully get 10, 11 points, and uh, you might be able to you know, grab him for a second, maybe a third-round pick from the right owner. So I do love him as a value add this year. 
Yeah, I, I got him in a startup dynasty draft. I don't remember what round it was last year, but I remember it was super late and I, I skipped over him like three rounds in a row and I'm like, <laughs> all right, I can't do this anymore. I, I got to start, you know, stop messing around. And I grabbed him. It'll be interesting to see what happens in startup dynasty this year with David Johnson, which spoiler alert for anybody who's listening, I think the FFPC might be releasing some startup dynasties this week too. You can check that out at myffpc.com slash dynasty. Um, Cam Akers, Sean McVay had some high praise for him this past week. He said he was an every down back and certainly when a team invests a second round pick into a running back, I think they envision him being an every down back. His dynasty value has gone up in, in response to that, you know, even redraft. I mean, you're looking at him at, at the, um, the one, two turn right now. Sky's the limit for him. He's looking very good as, as far as what it will take to acquire him in drafts or in, uh, in trade talks. Is he a guy you'd pay face value for if you were looking to acquire him right now? You know, I really, I do love him as a prospect, Eric, but you know, I don't think I can stomach face value just based on year one. Boy, he did look good when he got that rock and started rolling. Um, but then he did hit some injuries and you know, McVeigh and the Rams, they kind of seem to have that situation setting up over there that, you know, after getting burned with the girly thing that maybe every two or three years we're going to have another horse that comes in here and keep rotating them through. Right. They hit a little bit with that loving of San Francisco's, you know, running back by committee approach. Uh, and they did use that quite a bit last year. So, so I do love him as a running back. I think he does have some huge upside, but a little bit like we talked with the Justin Jefferson thing, the ask is really strong. I've tried looking at, you know, seeing what it would take to get him. Everyone's loving how he finished the season, had a great playoff run there. So, so I think, you know, as a trade goes, I'm looking at it as, Hey, I missed my window on, you know, rookie drafts with him. I'm probably not going to get a ton of shares right now unless some things change. I remember being a, you know, I'm a big Florida state fan and I remember loving him when, when he committed to, to, to Florida state, I thought he was going to be the next great running back. He was coming in right when Dalvin cook was going out and he, he had to, I mean, the offensive line play for Florida state, his last two years in, in Tallahassee, was among the worst, I'd say, not not just with with Florida State, but with with the the Power Five conferences, um, you know, major conferences in general. I have not seen offensive line play that bad, and there are injuries and everything. And I thought that once he got to the NFL, um, that that he would really start producing. But a concern I did have was he was not the biggest guy in the world, and and I think with them already having Henderson, it would make some sense that these guys would would have more of a split workload. He to me, Tim would is is the is is the poster child for the guy that everybody wants right now and then everybody is complaining week 1 when he touches the ball 17 times and Daryl Henderson touches it 15 times. Like that that is what I think is is going to happen with with the Rams again this year. Yep, I'm with you on that and and yeah, for the value I just don't want to be a part of that frustration. Carson Wentz has moved from Philadelphia to Indianapolis, and he is going to be the quarterback there. How do you view guys? We'll, we'll keep T.Y. Hilton out of it. It sounds like he's not going to be back with the Colts. But Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, you know, the other Colts skilled position players there. How do you? How, how does their dynasty value change now that there's no Jacoby Brissett, there's there's no Andrew Luck, there's no Phillip Rivers? It's It's Carson Wentz's team going forward. You know, I I might be a little bit in the minority here. I'm not sure, but but I'm kind of liking all three of them in that setup a little bit. You know, I honestly love Jonathan Taylor, that second half he had last year with that old line that's in place. Had a great second half with Phil Rivers at QB. 
and no mobility there. And now you, your team went back up with Frank Reich over there. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that it worked really well in Philadelphia with the RPOs, right? And, and now you get Wentz, uh, having a little bit more ability than Rivers over there that can, you know, make Jonathan Taylor even more dangerous potentially. And, um, I really love that with the Paris Campbell sitting in the slot. He's a crazy athletic guy. A lot of guys have been burnt with his injuries and just kind of given up on him. But he's going to be the beneficiary of that that slant pass, that quick out on those RPOs, and then you're going to get him on spacey and that athletic ability if he can stay healthy. So, so I think if you're looking to get somebody on the cheap that's got some big massive upside, if things do click and pop in Indy, I think Paris Campbell's probably got the most upside for the value there. And you know, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't the biggest believer in Pittman coming out, but. You know, Wentz does love those big body receivers, tight ends, and you know we've seen with his interceptions in the past, he's he's not afraid to put the ball up to some big bodies. So so hopefully he gets that rapport and that trust built with Pittman and uh, be kind of his new Elshon Jeffrey, if you will, for lack of better terms, and and just have that guy to be downfield, take a chance on every now and again. So so I really do like all those three having some better upside with Wentz getting in there. Yeah, I just you know that. That Colts offensive line, that ground game, I, I think is going to open a lot of things up. It should take some pressure off Wentz. And they do, like you said, you know, these, they, they have young up and coming playmakers that will be able to, to grow with Carson Wentz. So I, I'm definitely more bullish on those guys along with you with Wentz in there as opposed to, you know, the alternative, whatever that would have been in Indianapolis, uh, this year. Um, talk about the Packers backfield, uh, briefly here. Um, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager for Green Bay, said actually today that, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, we don't like using the franchise tag. It's not something that, that the Packers have done historically, but we will do it if we think the, the, um, it's best for the team. And that's obviously a possibility for Aaron Jones. There is another free agent in their backfield named Jamal Williams. We don't know if he's going to be back. And this is after one year after they invested. AJ Dillon and AJ Dillon as a second round pick in the NFL draft. So how do you think it's going to shake out for 2021? Are all those guys going to be back? Are any of them not named Dillon going to be back? How do you, how do you see this happening and how are you treating it for dynasty leagues right now, Tim? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very interesting backfield because it's, it's an explosive backfield and there's a lot of points coming out of that backfield. And before the franchise tag kind of discussions came out today, I'm kind of looking at it going, you know, I think maybe they bring Jamal Williams back to have that veteran presence to go with Dylan as they kind of seem to set it up that way. And it is hard to pay Aaron Rodgers top dollar and then go give Aaron Jones a 12 to $15 million a year contract, especially with that cap coming down. You know, so I'm thinking, Hey, you know, the easy math is to maybe move on from Jones, but, but boy, he is an explosive player. And you know, the, the weird nuance to it is. Would that be the straw that breaks Aaron Rodgers back finally with the Packers? He's, he's been a big advocate for Jones for three years. He's shown the last two years he's an explosive running back. They let him go and maybe the Dylan Williams thing doesn't work out and, and Rodgers is throwing on a Vikings jersey, much like, uh, old Brett Favre did back in the day, you know? So, so I think it's a little more sensitive than maybe we even think numbers wise because we all know Aaron, you know, not making it to the big game. He was a little frustrated this year. So. So we'll see how sensitive they are to that. And boy, it's a backfield that there's not a lot of answers, but I kind of want any piece of it that does shake out there, you know, 
whether it's uh, any one of the three or all three of them, I, I, I want to have them all on my roster if possible. Yeah, I, Jamal Williams could could end up being like the um, the dominant part of a backfield outside of Green Bay. Like he could be the sixty percent guy somewhere else. He's he certainly had a great contract year. I think AJ Dillon is the only guy that that's safe in the Packers backfield. I I've you know I'm I I follow the Packers pretty closely. I, you know I have this local radio show in Northeast Wisconsin. We talk about Aaron Jones a lot. I have gone so far back and forth on this thing. Right now, I think he's gone. You ask me tomorrow, I'm, I, I would say he, he finds a way to come back. So I really don't know how this Jones thing is going to play out. There's, there's a, you know, some people in drafts, and, and I'm talking about redraft, um, will wait on quarterbacks. And I've, I've always used the phrase, they wait on quarterback, drafting a quarterback to the point of being a dick about it. <laughs> and, and I think Aaron Rodgers, the, the way that the Packers have treated his, his, um, surrounding cast, um, you know, you, they're, they're almost letting these guys, if they let Jones go, they're almost letting weapons go to the wayside to the point of being dicks about it. And, 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 you know, and the thing is like, everybody expected them to do something in free agency or something in the draft at wide receiver last year. And what happened? It was Devin Funches and then he opted out. And then you had Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard, which by the way, were okay, but okay was not enough to get them to the Super Bowl. Aaron Jones was such a massive weapon, such a massive playmaker for them. If they let him go and are just rolling with Dylan and a rookie in the backfield or maybe an also ran off the scrap heap to, to have three backs in the backfield and don't do anything at receiver again, my goodness. It's just it, – it, it would drive not only Packers fans crazy, it would drive Aaron Rodgers dynasty um, owners crazy too. And maybe Aaron Jones to, to that end as well. Um we, we just talked to briefly about Stafford going to the Rams. How does that affect Robert Woods? How does it affect Cooper Cup? Are they more valuable to, to you? Are all those guys more valuable in Dynasty to you right now? Now that it, it's, it's not golf, but it is a proven, um, much more accomplished passer in Matthew Stafford that is going to be passing to them in 2021. Yeah, I do have their value going up, but, but not a ton, just a little bit, you know, cause you kind of balance that out with, they are both aging a little bit quicker than you'd even think with Cup coming in on the older side. Um, definitely some good years left in both of them. Um, I am a little interested to see how the, the Stafford, you know, situation will play out with the Rams. You know, he likes to hold the ball more a little bit and, and get the ball downfield, which, which Cup and Woods, you know, they're more of that quick action receiver, you know, hitting those slants, running those quick, uh, quick decisions where that ball's released. And, and it might be a great thing for Stafford to have an offense like that, but, um, but yeah, I'm wondering to see which one of these two might actually benefit from the deep ball and that big arm a little bit more. And, um, you know, I think they both could. And I'd definitely be one to love getting both of those. I don't think you're going to get a steal on either one because nobody's going to be bummed that Stafford's their quarterback over Goff. Let's just be honest. <laughs> so, so I do, I do like them both, but, uh, with Dynasty, I'm not going to pay a ton for them just because of the Stafford upgrade based on just age and things like that. You know what I might think about doing, and and I'm I'm trying to bring up the the stats here on it. But last year, I I feel like um, Robert Woods was was the um, beneficiary of a lot of touchdowns, and and Cooper Cup kind of um, um, got the short end of the stick on that. Cooper yeah, Cup last year, 92 catches for 974 yards. He had three. Am I looking at that right? Yeah, three total touchdowns. Whereas Robert Woods, now granted two of his touchdowns were rushing, but he did have six receiving touchdowns 
and very similar marks, 90 catches for 936 yards. And I almost feel like people would be more likely to overvalue Woods, so you might get a deal more on Cup this year. But, okay, and, and this is this is me kind of thinking about loud. The Rams drafted Van Jefferson last year. I want to say in like the third round. And to me, he is more of like a, a Cooper Cup type of player than a Robert Woods type of player. And if that's the case, then it makes me feel like, okay, well, the, clearly they value Woods and Jefferson going forward and not Cup. So now I, I, it's, you know, it gets to be that whole like, um, is it the chicken or the egg thing? You know, wh- which way am I going on this? Because um, I think you can make an argument for either Cup or Woods as the guy to own in 2021. I thought it was Cup, and now I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think you're dead on with that Van Jefferson because he had a really quiet year, so our recency bias is going to kick in, and we're you know right. he's not going to be up in the front of our brain. And um, you know, and then if you trigger that with if Stafford does play well, Rams have a really great defense. They want to run that football. They got a couple heads back in that backfield. And they could just grind some games out too where you're not playing that catch up or it doesn't take golf three or four quarters to get a touchdown or two going. So it might be a little quiet second half going forward if things play out the way they want them to. Um, let's talk rookies. When we haven't talked a whole lot of rookies yet, we're still basically, God, I want to say like eight weeks out from the NFL draft, roughly eight weeks. Um, at what point do you start or have you already started, um, scouting the rookie class? Did you watch a lot of college football last season? Are you familiar with any of these guys? And if the answers are yes to any of those questions, uh, Tim, who are you high on in, in this year's class that maybe some other people might not be as high on? Yeah, you know, I, I generally start kind of towards the end of February, early March, right about this time frame, starting to look at the rookie class and, um, and trying to plan my drafts a little bit. Give me, give me a little break from the Super Bowl and, and just kind of, you know, I play around with a couple of trades here or there, but I don't dive into the rookies right away. Just take a little bit of time away. Um, and when I do kind of dive in, I don't watch a lot of college football because I don't want to have, you know, the, the fandom in me, correct? Right. You know, yep. I don't want to, you know, hey, this guy looked good in these four games. Maybe it was, you know, sloppy competition or I just like the guy because of his personality. So I kind of try to keep it simple in that regard. And then I dive in as just a dynasty owner and I kind of try to keep my biases out of there and it seems to help me so far because I don't go into drafts loving a guy or getting desperate I need to have this guy because I'm a fan of his um and in this year's rookie class you know a couple guys I really like you know there's some guys at the top that everyone said are going to be no-brainers but you know I'm really intrigued by Javante Williams from North Carolina he's got great size you know he's got the prototypical running back size um, especially if he lands in a great landing spot, obviously. But, um, but you know, he's kind of got a little bit of a the Mark Ingram to me. You know, he's going to be a strong runner. He's got good balance, able to catch the ball. Didn't have a ton of college catches, but what he had in the 20s, you know, so he's he's capable of doing that. So I think you could get a really good player there. Um, you know, later pick, maybe towards the end of the first round, you know, where my fandom does come in a little bit, I do love Rashad Bateman. He did not have a great year this year with Minnesota. Some of the COVID stuff going on, he he opted out, came back. Um, but, you know, he's got great size, 6'2", between 200, 210 pounds. Maybe not a blazer, but he just just a steward of the game. He's got the full route tree, you know, great kid. So And he's he's got a really good young age with him right now too. So he's kind of, you know, if you're – if you had a successful year last year and you're in that one nine to one twelve range, he's a guy that I'm hoping falls to me and and maybe I can pick up a bunch of shares there. And then obviously I'm a tight end guy in the tight end premium. 
So I love Kyle Pitts. You know, it doesn't really matter necessarily where he goes, just his age and his athletic ability. Those top tight end prospects are tough to get your hands on. So you get a chance to get out, grab him any way possible. Yeah, I saw we had uh, Lance Turvis on the um, the high stakes lowdown in, in February, and he was part of the first um, FFPC best ball uh, league of, of the season. I feel like I can't remember the exact round, but he took Kyle Pitts and redraft like in the fifth round or something like that. Like, it, oh, awesome. it, it, it was high, but I, I think that um, we have seen um, over the course of the last few years that um, rookie tight ends can be a factor, and, and certainly you want to talk about um, a freak who did it on the field and in, uh, in the SEC, that's Kyle Pitts. And, and I think we're all excited to see what he's going to be able to do at the next level, uh, at the next level as well. Um, you have been very gracious with your time. I thank you for that, Tim. One other thing that I, one other final question I want to bring up before we, we let you go enjoy the rest of your week. Um, a player that you maybe own in several spots in F in your FFPC dynasty leagues that you're maybe looking to sell off for maybe a little bit less than a hundred cents on the dollar. And then a player that maybe you're trying to acquire on the cheap in leagues right now that not a lot of people are high on, maybe he's flying under the radar, but a guy that you floated some offers out for. Yeah. You know, one guy that I'm looking at maybe moving um, this off season, which I just said, I love tight ends, you know, so this is a little, little tough for me, but you know, Mike Kosicki is a guy that, you know, I think I can still get some pretty solid value for, but boy, he's just been a frustrating guy to own. You know, he has some big weeks and then he'll have a week where he puts up a zero or maybe two, three points for you. So, so just riding that roller coaster the last couple of years, you know, I'd like to just maybe put my chips into a different tight end situation. And if I can move him for a guy that really loves his athletic upside, um, I might try to try to do that and just kind of relieve myself of that headache. Not really loving the. The first year from Tua coming back from injury. Now there's some questions on is he going to be the quarterback down there? Uh, do love the potential of what's going on in Miami, but, but Gasicki's one guy that I just think I'm ready to get off the roller coaster ride with while I can still get some value back. Um, and that may blow up in my face because he's still very young, very athletic. A guy that I'm looking to maybe grab on the cheap to add to my rosters. I'm floating out trying to get some, uh, Rashad. Rashad Penny's share is coming in the door. You know, Chris Carson potentially not coming back to Seattle. Seattle may draft a running back, but we all know Seattle loves having two up there if possible. He was a, you know, big time draft capital guy coming back from his injury. Now he should be healthy next year. So, so I'm trying to see, float some offers out there to see if I can grab him for, you know, maybe a two, maybe a two and a three, maybe a couple threes or a, a three and a player. Um, and there's no guarantees there, but if that works out well, you're going to get some great return on your investment. And another guy I'm trying to grab everywhere is uh, tight end Adam Troutman over in New mm. Orleans. I think he's a guy that you can you can get for that third round prize potentially, and uh, you might not have to sit on him long before he's playing a lot. He might be the guy next year, but um, even if you do have to wait for two three years for him to blossom, that's an amazing offense down there with Sean Payton. They're going to figure their quarterback out eventually. And uh, so he's a guy I'm looking at as well. A guy we are looking at on this show always for FFPC high stakes, dynasty fantasy football analysis is Tim Gilbertson. He of five league championships in 2020 alone last year. Tim, I uh, certainly appreciate you taking some time to uh, talk fantasy football with me this week. I wish you nothing but the best in all of your win now leagues uh, that you are in that mode uh, in, in many of your 2021 uh, campaigns. Good luck to you. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again real soon, dude. 
Yeah, hey, appreciate it, Eric. It's always a blast being on. And uh, anytime you want to talk, just just give me a ring and we'll uh, set something up. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Be good. All right, you too. Take care. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thank you.